Before we get into it, avid listeners of the show may notice that Chris's recording this time isn't quite up to its regular silky smooth quality. Yep, we had a little technical difficulty on the day and I had to dial it in. But we are absolutely certain you're still going to love this episode. I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast. In this podcast, we speak with producers, DJs, audio engineers, and industry figureheads about their fantasy forever studio. The studio will have to be created within the confines of our completely non-arbitrary rules, and importantly, it's a studio our guests will have to live with forever. That's right, our guests can select a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface, then they can only choose six other bits of studio kit plus one luxury item. But Chris, what if they want a selection of plugins combined into, say, a single package? No, no, no. No bundles! No bundles. Joining us today is Joshua Steele, better known to the world as Flux Pavilion. Quickly rising to the top of the dubstep scene in 2010 with remixes like Cracks by Freestylers and his own tracks like Bass Cannon, he's been an impressive force. Since then, he's collaborated with Childish Gambino and remixed Skrillex, M.I.A. and loads more. Uh, not only is Joshua a producer, though, he's also a singer-songwriter and an owner of Circus Records. Oh, and he's a multi-instrumentalist, too. Hmm. Even more impressively, he's been sampled by Kanye West, Jay-Z, and has even been asked to remix the Star Wars theme. I cannot wait to hear what his picks are for his imaginary recording space. This is My Forever Studio with Flux Pavilion. Welcome. Oh, I didn't know there's no bundles. Yeah, no bundles. Press it, Will. <laughs> oh, no. Do we, do we need to... No bundles! No it's bundles. Yeah, we, 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 we put that rule in for the no bundles because it's it's an easy get out, isn't it? Especially with a software-based studio. Yeah, well, I was assuming that software was a given. <laughs> no, nothing nothing oh, is a given no. on the My Forever Studio. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. It's quite, it's, it was quite irritating to be imagining a perfect studio i was like oh yeah i could have a live room with a wicked piano in it oh no but i've got no microphones you could just have it for your own peace of mind <laughs> that's what my wife said she was like oh just <laughs> art for art's sake and i was like that's not the point of a studio <laughs> art for art. well let's um first up let's talk about um a little bit about you and a little bit about what would make your perfect studio in terms of the location that's usually how we start the podcast um so before we get to the six items, um, where would you have your studio in the world if you could? I mean, you, you must have travelled loads as a DJ um, and, you know, professionally. So um, where would you have it? Probably New Zealand. Okay. Why Why New Zealand? Yeah, it seems like the least broken place in the world. So would you have chosen New Zealand before the pandemic? Well, yeah, so my, my wife's from there. So we go visit there like every year and I spend quite a lot of time out there. And it's just... Yeah, so what the main uh, thing I was thinking of is I really like fishing. It's kind of my main hobby at the moment. Mm. So somewhere where I can have access to private fishing. And there's less people in New Zealand, so I'll be able to get get better mm-hmm. spots, basically. So that's, that was all I could really think, think of for my studio. In New Zealand, by the sea and a trout lake, so, so I can fish a lot. Which I mean, it, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it feels uninventive. Yeah. Because it's like it could be on Mars or something, but I do like fishing. So, is there a trout lake on Mars? That's news to me. That I mean, trout lake on Mars would be would be a science, a science like yeah, it'd be a big story it's... in science news. Well, they they found water. That's true. Yeah, but they've yet to find trout. So, <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, never never say never. Let's let's all focus. Let's all focus on the word yet. Yeah. <laughs> 
Martian trout. That's the ultimate <laughs> fishing win, isn't it? That's yeah. That is that's the trophy that we're all looking for. Just holding the the Martian trout on a magazine. Well into it. And what's the kind of vibe in the studio? Um, you know, how how do you like things decorated? And are you a Windows guy and not Windows guy in terms of do you like to see the view? Do you keep, like a bunker? I have a bunker at the moment, and it's filled with plastic plants, and I quite like that vibe. The sort of the forest kind of or jungle type atmosphere is quite quite cool. I think I would like a window, but I'm in an industrial estate in East London, so it doesn't really feel like no, but for, for New it's, Zealand. it's gonna bring much. But for New Zealand, yeah, maybe maybe a window would be nice. It might distract me though. <laughs> not not too sure. Yeah, I don't really have much mm. of a with such a small studio, I'm imagining this just the box because I don't really have much equipment that can go but in But it is there. the Forever Fantasy Studio. I mean, we can... Upsell your dreams. You can have whatever you want. I'll have a, oh, right, I'll have a window. <laughs> Which, having a studio in London <laughs> is the dream. That's like, it's like what? You've got a studio yeah. that all your equipment can fit in and a window. Wild. You're, you're playing safe because you're thinking, well, I'm in New Zealand already. I mean, this couldn't get any better. And the window seems like crazy excess to you right now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I don't really have much of a... I do... I could plan out the most elaborate studio. Do it. That's the I, My Forever studio. No, nah, but I need the equipment to go in it. Ah, okay. That, that was where I kept getting stuck. I was just like, oh, yeah, I could have a synth room with one... Oh, I can only have one synth <laughs> kind of thing yeah the synth room so yeah yeah (laughs) so i feel i feel like the um yeah the the wildness of the studio is limited by the by the six pieces of gear right fair um so we're in new zealand we're gonna we've got a beautiful window and a beautiful view though um there's fish there's fish there's there's... local fish (laughs) local fish (laughs) have you been fishing in new zealand yes Yeah, nice? I go with my father-in-law, and it's it's a pretty good time. It's just I also go fishing in the UK, and anywhere you go, it's busy. There's always loads of people, and you can pretty much hear cars, unless you're going out into the Lake District, into the middle of nowhere. You can pretty much always hear cars. I feel like the UK is so built up, but in New Zealand, you just end up in the middle of nowhere, and I think I quite like that being absolutely in the middle of nowhere, away from everything, that's where my studio would be. So we've got, we've got, we've got the space. Um, I guess uh, we get, have three free items of your studio. So we give you a computer, an audio interface, uh, and a DAW for free. So let's, let's yeah. run through those. Uh, Mac or PC? PC. Okay. Would be. Let's, we have to talk about this because, as you can imagine, almost everybody else on the podcast says Mac. Um, so oh right yeah, yeah. so really yeah, uh, yeah um, most people just go for the eighty thousand dollar Mac um, so what what's the PC why PC what's the spec what are you running um, I like PC because of the um, I don't know it's like got a modular nature I guess I really like the ability to change things around and when people develop new interesting pieces of software like say an oscilloscope that can turn images into sounds they always do it on pc and it's through programming language and that's the kind of stuff that really interests me so it's kind of open source isn't it yeah yeah that's the word so that's what i really like about pc and um in terms of spec you know i'll just get the best 
that's possible. The best of everything. The best of everything. I mean, that's generally what I do: build a new, a new tower every two or three years, and just kind of. I'd have to. I'd hope that there would be good enough technology that where you can have a motherboard with Thunderbolt, because that's the biggest issue with PC, is there's really low Thunderbolt capabilities, and most of the good sound cards all require Thunderbolt. Yeah, it's strange. Strange thing, isn't it? That was. I mean, I remember seeing a a Hewlett Packard PC at NAM, and that's when I last went to NAM. So that must have been at least five years ago, and they were like, "It's got Thunderbolt," and I don't think it ever came out. And it's like, <laughs> why? Why don't PC manufacturers have Thunderbolt? And even USB C, some PC manufacturers have it, but yeah, it doesn't support like all of the same things that Mac support down that same lead. If yeah, you, if that makes sense. It is a. It's an annoyance, but I think it's just they're a little bit behind, mm. basically. And I, yeah, but I've managed to get it all working. I just like it was really interesting with my so my sound card pick will be Lynx Aurora. Okay. And I spent setting my PC up. I spent probably about an hour and a half on the phone, the helpline to Lynx. You know, you see those yeah, numbers. You actually called it. <laughs> it was like I actually called it, and it was just some guy in America. Was he like? hello like as if like this place never run before (laughs) it really felt like that and we were just talking through the whole issue and he's helping me set up a motherboard because i was just like it's not working with a pc as well i would never buy a pc i'd buy all the parts and sit down in my underwear and build it because that's that's a whole part of the process that's that's what i used to do i've got this this big tower down the left of me it's the same thing um that's the, the modular nature of the PC is a blessing and a curse, though, isn't it? Because because you can do that, you find that like, oh, that FireWire card or that USB card or whatever it might be you've selected is incompatible. It ruins the whole process. Yeah, and you're like, okay. So I like that. <laughs> I don't obviously I don't like it at the time, but there's something about the annoyance and having to solve the problems. Like there's old yeah. to do my I do a studio stream. And to get audio from my um, DAW to record and go out on the stream, I have to use this old Voxengo um, VST, but it was only 32-bit. So I had to get this piece of software that converts it to 64-bit and then have it on a specific folder on my computer. And it's just this whole really laborious process (laughs) of finally getting it to work. And it just feels really good. It's kind of like... You actually have to sit down and be like, right, I need to understand what, how this programming language works. And how it's like an th- extra layer to your actual music. Like people don't even realize they're like, oh, you know, it's great music and it's cool because he's written it and he's played all the instruments. They don't even realize. And you built mm-hmm. the computer and you did all of that as well. Yeah, I've programmed. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, a massive nerd. I build, I've been building my own synths over lockdown and I kind of have designed my own guitar pedal and have built that as well been like checking out diodes main, my main thing I've built this guitar pedal that's basically like a diode selection box where you normally you get pedals and it's like oh it's got germanium diodes or silicon diodes well I bought about 40 different types of diode and I made a really simple like clon type setup run my guitar through it and wrote down notes on the quality of each diode. And then I've made a selection box, which is like uh, eight diodes, all asymmetrical clipping. So you can dial in the perfect diode for your needs. That is very cool. What, do you have a name for this thing yet? Yeah, diodesis. Oh, nice. 
very good. So I, re- I really like stuff like that. So, so yeah. DAW then. You've got the you've got the Lynx Aurora, you've got a PC, and the PC is like mega spec, so it's like infinite budget. We're just gonna say it's a yeah, great PC. And then Cubase. Yeah. Um what about the DAW? Cubase, whatever yeah. the whatever the newest Cubase is. Uh ten point five, is it? Eleven? But I mean in this scenario, oh. maybe it's maybe when I can finally move to New Zealand it's on Cubase Pro fifteen studio or whatever they call it. They, they tend to knock one out every September, yeah. don't they? Like a new update. So um We're on eleven now, yeah. Yeah. I mean uh, 11 oh my god i'm so far behind i think i'm on 8.5 on my cubase. i think i'm only on nine as well it doesn't take it doesn't take long you like blink and then suddenly you're quite a few versions yeah. behind but yeah cubase is is the one it's it's my other than outside of human beings where my wife is my one true love cubase is my digital one true love <laughs> i absolutely love it it's amazing so tell us about the cubase relationship when did you start on it and did you try anything else? Have you have you wavered? Have you have you flirted with other doors? <laughs> yeah, I've been messing around with oscilloscope stuff, um, like making my own uh, oscilloscope patches, so like music that you can see. And I've been doing that in Fruity Loops, and then I use Ableton for my live show as well. So I do have uh, an understanding of other DAWs, but just Cubase is so solid and just has. I just think they've just done it better than everyone else. There's so many little little bits and pieces in there that I just, when I use another piece of software, I just can't find it. I can't work out how to do it. Like what? Like the, you can choose any piece of audio and then in the top bar, you can uh, change the pitch of it. So, it, but it kind of like, let's say I had a vocal sample and I wanted it, I could change it and move it three semitones up, but it doesn't, um, not like Ableton, basically you only have a few algorithms to choose from and it can be quite dodgy. Whereas the Cubase version, there's like so many different algorithms. You can always get a really perfect mm-hmm. time stretch and you can select a whole project and do that. And it does it in a second and you can just retune stuff. And it's just like, it's completely removed the need for me to use a sampler because I can pretty much Hmm. chop and change pieces of audio around and retune stuff on the fly. And it just, it just does it so well that I'm surprised that no other software can really do that. Ableton can to a point, but it still, it always feels like I get artifacts and dodginess with it. Yeah. I mean, I found studio one, um, pretty good but they're ex Cubase guys as well aren't they that yeah came. so I haven't used so Studio One is one I, I haven't mean, used I mean it's kind of it feels really natural to me as a Cubase user there's another thing I use quite a lot which is the virtual VST I think they call it where basically you have ins and outs on your sound card and you set up a this kind of like virtual VST where you set it up to go out of two outputs and take in from two inputs so like an actual send so let's say I've got my Neve 33609, that'll be on outs one and two, ins one and two, and I'll have that set up so I can just put it on a track like a VST. You don't have to bother with any routing or anything. It just operates as a as a VST like it would any other thing, and you can take it off and put it on another track and stuff and like that. And it does all the um, latency and like yeah, that it, kind it of, does yeah. it all for you. That's banging. Which... I haven't seen in another one. Studio One, maybe. I'm just basing it off FL Studio and Ableton. They just have this 
quality to them, which I quite like for just messing around on. But in terms of actually setting a studio up, Cubase just feels like a really good brain. Mm. I, I work on Pro Tools when I'm tracking vocals and stuff, just because that can be quite handy for having loads of when you're recording something 10 million times. But it just it doesn't compare to Cubase. Big love for the Cubase. Sorry, I'm well on board with this, Will. I will sat there silently with his logic hat on. <laughs> no judgment. Right? It's fine. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. <laughs> everyone, everyone has their thing. And it's kind of like over all these years of messing around with different pieces of software, it makes me like Cubase more, which is an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, I like, you know, when you've got, because no one really uses it. So sometimes it feels like they're the underdog. So I want to like represent Cubase as much as I can. Because every time I say I use Cubase, people are like, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that was still going. It's huge in the drum and bass community as well. Like I found like a lot of drum and bass guys use Cubase. Yeah, like Noisier and Rob Swire yeah. from Pendulum are two guys and Nero yeah. that when I was mm. coming up as a producer, they were some of the, like my favourite producers. And I'm like, well, they all use this, so I'm going to stick with it. And now it's just kind of like, I've gone too far now with Cubase. Mm. Just, it's mine forever. So, item number one. So, it seemed like monitors weren't a given. Nope. So I've given. chosen a pair because I'm allowed a pair. Yeah, a pair is fine. I'm sure. A pair is normal for monitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah We're um, not that brutal. That would be harsh. A pair of key threes. Nice. Which I don't own. Because they're very expensive. I've got Adams at mine, uh, which are very lovely. But my friend John Feed Me just showed me his pair of Key 3s. And I listened to a track that I just got mastered. And it's one of my favourite mixes that I've ever done. And then I just, I heard everything wrong with it. <laughs> but but oh. not in not in a bad way. I was like, this still sounds really good but I can actually hear everything. And it's really, it just, I didn't expect, I stepped from KRKs to Adams and I had this big jump where all of a sudden I was EQing less, compressing less, doing everything less because I could actually hear the music that I was working on. Mm. And I didn't really imagine there'd be that big of a jump again, but the key threes really was just like, it seems like the kind of thing, the, the better monitors you have, the less work you have to do. Because you just hear everything for what it is and you choose the right samples, mm. right mic placement, all of that, thanks to being able to hear it properly. And I've just never heard anything like it. Half an hour of listening to those speakers, I'm just like, these are the best speakers I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, not an unpopular choice. We've had them a couple of times on the podcast so far. Um, I know the yeah. Strong Room guys love them, right? Um, and we've had, we've had somebody do, else yeah. choose them as well. Yeah. That again, they're kind of, um, I guess, because they're priced, they're not that popular in terms of, you know, commercially popular. They're very high end, but yeah. But also, they're not like they're not super well known. Like it's not like a brand that everybody's like, oh yeah, I know the, the key threes. But it's become in in certain circles, especially in the UK. It seems everyone's like, oh my god, these things sound amazing. So it's it's K I I for anybody listening, right? It's not K E Y, yeah. yeah. Just, just for anybody yeah, googling KII. KII speakers, uh, have a little Google. Um, they're unbelievable. Like I've, I've heard them once in strong room, and they're kind of like voodoo level. But the question here, I, I guess, is like when you were starting out, when you had your KRKs, if you'd made that jump from KRKs right up to Key Threes, would it be a bit like 
you wouldn't understand all the stuff that was going on? Or are we talking like, was it useful to have that middle point to go up to the the atoms to then understand what's more? Yeah, it's kind of like um, guitars. Mm. You have to get a crappy 70 pound squire to start Mm. because you don't, you literally have no idea how anything feels. So you just have, you have to like, that's where you start because it is the cheapest option. And I think it's taken Mm. over. Like I've been producing, I got my cow case when I was 16. So I've been producing properly for about 15 years now. And only now am I ready for key threes. I think it's a, it's a really good point that like, Often enough, you just don't know enough about all of your gear and all of how everything works. That that super piece of equipment that's going to make everything great is completely unnecessary. It's mainly what I, when I do my studio streams, I'm surrounded by all my gear, and some people people are in the comments are just like, mm. "Yeah, how how are we meant to match up to this? You've just got yeah, this is so expensive. It's like no, no, I only have have this gear in the past couple of years. I was using." just purely massive and inbuilt soft synths in Cubase because I just didn't know any better. And you can write some of the best music of your life with that equipment. Yeah, I think I think a lot of um, YouTube comments and people that, you know, me and Will have been in this industry on the other side of the coin for, for a while now. And we've experienced a lot of those comments when you interview artists and they go like, well, I'd be able to make a hit record if I had all of that stuff. It's I think I think it's like, it's an easy get out um, to not accept that it's talent and think it's about gear, yeah, it's like it's a nice thing to to think. Go, oh, it's it's not me. It's the it's all of the other stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a um, it's a really unhealthy. It's where gas gets yeah. un- unhealthy because you think it's going to make your music better. For me, I only want new gear because it helps me get new mm-hmm. ideas. And then it's up to me to actually yeah. turn that into something good at the end. But yeah, that, the whole attitude of I'm not very good because my equipment's not very good I, it is um, absolute crap. I can testify to that. I've been working on just a variety of really broken, you know, project. Cra- I can't stop. Biggest track ever. Project would crash after 20 minutes. I'd have to work on it quickly. So that mix that I remember Noisy hit me up was like, oh man, it's such a good mix. And I was like, I did it so quickly because the project was about to crash. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, things things aren't that big of a deal. Sometimes you need those limits as well to like, you know, force your hand. Exactly. You can only do what you've got in front of you. So let's get on with it. Item number two. So this isn't my cheat. No, well, we'll see. We'll I'm see. Having. Okay. So this is something that does exist. And I'll show you guys what this is. It's called the polymath. <laughs> and this is, the, um, this is the fact sheet for it. I had these made by this... It's laminated. It's laminated. I had this made by this crazy guy. I've got... There's a pair of them. <laughs> and they're both mono. But what he did is he tried to... He basically successfully combined some of his favorite pieces of gear and gave them some extra like he sort of yeah edited them a little bit and then put them all into one box so it's basically a five band pool tech eq that goes into a yuri 1176 and then into an la2a with a a a really nice preamp in it as well for mike so you basically got everything in there. <laughs> a whole signal chip. That's the most 
ludicrous hardware bundle. I don't know how you've done it. This is this is really stretching the terms of the. But it's of the it's actually it's actually legal though, isn't it? Well, we're, we're it allowing is, it this. Is this is a proper. Legal. It's not in the spirit yeah, of the law. This is probably though, is the it? best cheat we've had on the podcast so far. So this is a a piece of hardware, a piece right? Of, yeah, yeah. It's a pair of them. There's um, they're, they're both they're both mono. But yeah, a piece of hardware. So it basically is, you know, yeah, EQ into a Living Series Six into an LA two A, and it. it it, he sourced all of the original parts, wow. like as much as he could, and then changed. So, is this a, is this available for somebody that isn't Flux Pavilion? Can mm, people buy this? No, there's only three. <laughs> there's only three in existence. No. I have two of them, and unfortunately, the guy the guy passed away oh, about God. three or four years ago. Oh no! So there's there there will be no more. So there's only three of them, and I've got I've got the only stereo pair. He made a matched pair. For me, oh my god! And uh, when I was sitting, I was like, "Would I choose my Neve three three six zero nine? And I looked over to the polymaths and was like, "Oh, there it is. That's that's my forever thing. These will, yeah, these will keep me going." So, um, I mean, the guy's passed away. Can we do a shout? Do we know his name? Like, can we like big him up? Um, I got it's through an, a friend of mine called Robin Robin Harwood, who is a wild synthesizer man he just like you you pop around to his house and he's i think his current addiction is um guitar amps he's just acquired about 15 different guitar amps and he sort of makes makes his own equipment out of them um he put me in touch with this guy and is was really good friends with him so i don't actually even know the guy never met him it was all robin's idea to put it all together and was like josh I really want one of these, but I can't afford one. He'll only make me one if he has to make more. Can you commission two of these amazing things so I can get one? And that was basically how they were created. This guy had just been noodling away put it, and put it together and then, yeah, had them built. And they're amazing. I don't want to be difficult here, but like, you've got, you're only allowed one. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, you can have it as items two and three. That's fine. I'm quite stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, fe- I feel like uh, I feel. I feel like I feel like Joshua could have lied here and said that they come as like because it's a piece no one of can get it anyway. Yeah, no. yeah. It's completely unverifiable. Yeah. All I've got is yeah, laminated. He could, he could have just said, "Oh, it comes as a pair." Eliminated imagining. <laughs> <laughs> for for those listening, uh, he's yeah. just holding up a laminated fact sheet. Uh, you know, we don't even know if this actually exists. It could just be a laminated no way, no fact way. sheet. It, it just exists in Joshua's mind right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. You guys can believe I only have one for the purposes of your uh, mental health, <laughs> but I can believe that I have two okay. for the purposes wow. of my mental health. Lovely bit of relativism there. Lovely. <laughs> Yeah, this is a good this is a good example of what it's like to work with me. I found that when I am in the studio and someone's like, "Nah, we can't have that," and I'm like, "Yes, we can." This is what the song sounds like now. It's always the way I like to live. When some when something feels undeniable to me, a pair of polymaths. We know the facts uh, that unfortunately the inventor passed away and such, but it is a forever studio, so. And it's a, a custom bit of kit, so there's no reason why you couldn't have a custom stereo version of this bit of kit anyway. Yes, yeah, true. Although, like they do, they do exist. 
if I wouldn't look at it as one. It is two separate yeah. things, but actually they're both powered by the same Ooh. power as well. Oh, there's your get out. That's it. There we go. I'm happy with that. We'll can sleep soundly nice. tonight knowing Appreciate that the rules have been abided by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perfect. That was, that was really close though, guys. Thank you. If you're into music production, you should also check out musictech.net. There you'll find impartial gear reviews, the latest product news, and tutorials for honing your craft, plus producer interviews and under-the-hood track breakdowns. And for those of you wanting to master your recording software, head to the Music Tech YouTube channel, where we have free courses in Logic and Ableton Live delivered by our expert trainers, with more DAWs coming soon. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Item number three. Item number three. So for synth choice, I only really went for one synth and I've chosen the Moog one, 16 voice. Nice. Because I I would have gone for a Prophet 6 because it's just amazing. But I have already, I already know it so well. I think if, yeah, I'd kind of, I'd choose that if someone was like, quick, one synth for the rest of your life, I'd be like Prophet 6. Mm-hmm. Because I just I just know it so well, and then I went to then I slipped off to Udo Super Six because it feels like a really nice elaboration of that. And there's just I only just got it, and there's just more there's more to learn about it. Mm. And I just I really love the the quality of it. And then I just got thinking was like I've only I played on a Moog one once, and the absolute depth of it was so intimidating i was like i just had one opportunity to play it and was like no i need i need 10 years of my life with or this forever thing. or forever you know and but i but i found a patch and i edited it and i was playing something and it made me i made me cry when i was in that session and i was like yeah that's i don't like any of the demos that i've ever heard with the moog one i i would say i don't really like its sound but when i actually got to play one and made a few tweaks it had this massive like emotive sensation which I don't get with synths very often and uh, <clears throat> and I haven't got one because they're very very expensive and then if I've got 8 grand I'm going to buy 15 other pieces of gear before because it's like oh I can get way more for that money than just this one thing so it's, it is a bit of a dream of just like being able to have if I've got no other choice and I have to make every sound on on a synth, I think the Moog one, the depth that it has, would be a really good choice for that. Here's a question. Um, so when you were doing, when you made yourself cry in the studio with the mm-hmm. Moog one, like what what did you do? Because like, like you say, I've heard some of the demos as well and they're, they're a bit hit and miss. So for people who maybe have a, a Moog one, what, what, what did you do? Um, it was just a pad. I played some really sad chords on a pad and with the after d minor with yeah just one one d minor chord <laughs> and the aftertouch um and I, that's what i was messing around with is what happened on the aftertouch and the ability to play it just emotively dynamically it just it got me i got all caught up in it in in the moment it was just, so it wasn't even a sound that i'd made it was just one of their presets 
And I figured I'd like messed around with the filter a little bit, but then I was playing around with the aftertouch settings. But I was just, I got really, really into it. I could just really feel what I was playing. And it's just, yeah, felt like a, a really special moment. And like I say, I've never wanted a Moog one at all because of all of the things that I heard. I was like, I don't like the sound of this thing. But when faced with it, I just had a completely different experience. I'd really like to. I'm going to get one at some point. It's like, it's, it's mad that you can still invent a dream synth. Because usually on this podcast, a lot of when people go to Dream Sins, they go to the past. They go to CS80s or Jupiter Raids. Oh, 2600s, yeah. And yeah. To, for somebody to, to invent something new yeah. that is, you know, one of these choices on, on, on a podcast like this, is kind of a, it's really impressive that you can kind of go, it's new and it's a Dream Synth. Yeah, I like, like old synths are cool. I would like a Jupiter 8 for sure if they weren't like 15 grand now. Um, I had the Deckard's had the Deckard's dream, and I sold it just because I just didn't like the UI, the way the way of patching stuff in. I really like a lot like playing along with settings. So like writing down some MIDI, and then playing the MIDI through the synth, and then when I'm recording yeah. my take, you know, playing along with it all, so I get a, a dynamic kind of take from it. And just the Deckard's dream, I didn't enjoy the way that felt, <clears throat> even though it sounded lovely. I was just like, I found myself never really going towards it. And I have played on the CS80 once and kind of felt the same about it. And I did have an, a white face up 2600 and just didn't really like that either. It had a sound and it was cool, but it just not for me. I I didn't find myself yearning to to use that sound as much as I could. So my experience with old synths, my favourite synths are the Udo, um, the Prophet 6, the OB6, the obviously like the mini moog reissue and just the electron digitact new fm synths and stuff yeah i really like new new things i've got a massive wall of modular where anytime make noise talk about doing something new i'm just like right on it because they're just pushing boundaries of what is possible I, I don't necessarily think looking back is for me i like to look forwards tell tell us about the uh, wall of modular and like uh, how how many is it, is it in use? Is modular in use? It's HP yeah. and you, yeah. That's I it. guess it's um, how much it's HP quite, source do you have? I don't even know, but it is. Um, it's big. It, is it as big out, as three it's, people? It's got out of hand. It's not massive. It's not like. Uh, Hans Zimmer. I love talking to people about modular because it does feel you're in some kind of therapy group. As soon as you start talking about it, the person who collects the modular is always like, "It's fine, it's fine, it's not. No, it's it's not that bad. To be honest, it's 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 it's. I mean, it could be yeah. worse. That's that's always what it's like talking to you with modular. I've been doing the main thing I've been interested in is actually um, look, mum, no computer. Yeah, has been doing he has been doing his own Cosmo format, and I've built oh, ev- yeah. everything that he's released so far. I've like bought all the parts and built that. So that's been the one that I've been most fascinated right. with. It's just and it, the funny thing is I built it all and I work on it and it sounds just like look, mum, no computer. I'm like, oh yeah, fair play. This is his sound. He's just selling his sound, basically. If you can be bothered to solder together all of the parts, you can buy that's his sound cool. with that. Have you done the thousand oscillator yet? Um, no. Well, I've got the one that's. I think it's only ten oscillators that he sold, which is like a okay. ten. I, that's the next you one. You just that need I have to buy a hundred of them. I got to buy a hundred of them. Yeah, 
I'll just go down to his museum of everything else and play on his one, I think. <laughs> but yeah, modular, I didn't even put, there's no modular in here because it's too hard. <laughs> yeah, you know? and it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, a, a bundle situation yep. potentially. Yeah, it might be like something like the Quedgeman S1 would be what I would choose if I was to go modular. I'd just, whatever grand scale all-in-one thing that Quedgeman has done I'd go for that because his stuff the oscillators and the filter the the stuff that I do have from him mm. is just the, some of the best sounding gear that I've got so yeah if I was going to I'd choose that but I'm not item number four so four is either you guys can help me choose okay a line six helix for all of the guitar possibilities because I play quite, I do quite a lot of guitar stuff. So it's just like, it seems like I've got one. I use it for amp bottling because I can't be bothered to ship 10 million amps into my studio and chop and change. And their modeling is, is really good. That's fair, like, yeah. I just really like how they've done it. Um, or, which is, I reckon this is probably what I'm going to go for, is just a single Clon Centaur. Mm-hmm. What a choice. Because concept that is, to me the best guitar sound ever to me of what what I like, how I like to play my guitar. Just going through a, a, a Centaur is is amazing, feels amazing every time. So line six gives me all the choice. Um I would say I'd say a pretty good quality choice as well. I do I do like what they've done. But if it's my forever studio, then it's like it just feels right to just go for my forever guitar sound and be like, this is it. This is all I've got now. Yes. So I think I'll go for the Clon Centaur. And you can have an original. What's that? You can have the absolute, like a, you can have an original one as well. Yeah, obviously. yeah. Like the ludicrously expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about when you discovered that. When, when was the first one you plugged in and you played it and you were like, holy shit, this is, this is amazing. Um, what was I doing? I bought just a bunch of pedals and I'd heard about the Clon Centaur, so I bought a clone and just played on it and it just felt really nice i don't i don't really know that much about guitar pedals i've learned a more a lot more since i've been building them but to be honest i've only really been focusing on the centaur as well and what because it's actually designed by i can't remember the guy's name but he did it with a bunch of um scientists from what's that famous boston university mit MIT, yeah, it was a bunch of MIT guys did it with him. Hmm. To, it was like it was more than just let's make a good guitar pedal. He's like, let's make uh, an absolutely banging circuit that is like no other um, circuit that's ever existed. So it's really well thought out. It's like actually super complicated for what it is, which is just like a diode distortion. If you look at the circuitry, the way it's been pieced together. It's just like so comprehensive and he's just like made it absolutely solid. And there's a reason why it's really good. So it's like, oh, it sounds really nice. I started looking into building guitar pedals and then looked into the clon. And then I've basically been learning everything I know about circuitry by then going back to his circuit and, and working out what he did. And it's just been a really fascinating thing. I've kind of based all of my all of my nerdery on guitar pedals on this one pedal and each and now every time I go back 
to like when I make adjustments to my diodesis because I'm trying to get to a more sim- a less complicated version of the clon and then play on the clon it's just like how does this sound so nice to my just like to my ears to my soul I'm like this feels like what a guitar should always sound like item number five let's do item number five Our number five is a bit boring it's a, a Neumann U47 no it is boring I'm gonna say it is boring <laughs> It's not. It's not a boring piece of equipment, but but it's not. There's not much to say about it. It's an amazing microphone, um, and I need a microphone. And I've got my polymath for my uh, preamps there, so I don't. I don't need uh, any preamps or anything like that. So I just need a nice microphone. Yeah, the polymath also has uh, phantom power as well. What? So U forty seven is that? I mean. The reason I was saying it's boring is because it, it is a go-to, um, obviously in a good way. But like, do you remember the point when you first tracked a vocal mm-hmm. with a U forty-seven, or have you used them before? I've got an eighty-seven, um, which I use all the time. And I was just in the studio in Leeds uh, about a month ago recording this band called Peng Shui, who are a heavy, a very heavy band, and it's mainly sh- like the the vocalist. Is an amazing hip hop artist in his own right, but he does a lot of screaming. And I heard we basically put him on a U forty seven on the first day and got him to shout some stuff, and it just sounded it sounded like a man shouting at me. It didn't sound like a recording of a man shouting at me. It sounded like a man shouting, and that I was just like, well, this is unique. Because I was, because every time I've recorded him to get demos together, I'm always pushing the vocal sound to get energy out of it. Because it sounds like a recording of his energy, not his energy. But the U forty seven just sounded like him. I'm sitting there and I'm listening to him, and that that's, that's my first experience with it, which is makes me choose it first and only experience. But it was on the first day of the, that session, I was just like, well, this is a very lovely microphone. It'd be a lovely advert for any mic manufacturer, wouldn't it? Just picture of the microphone sounds like a man shouting at you <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> soul yeah item number six so we are onto the guitar yes item number six so it's quite a hard one really i went around the houses on so many different guitars i ended up on dave gilmore's stratocaster thief okay good yeah because I do like a strap. I think I prefer single coils over the humbuckers. Um, my gut was to go for the Roxy guitar, Frank Zappa's. I was thinking the Roxy reissue, like he had this guitar made that was like, yeah, I think they only made a hundred of them. I was like, oh, I could just have the original guitar from yeah. his Roxy show. Because he has... Was that a Strat as well? No. So it's an SG. um, And he built into it um, phase reversal on the pickups. Kind of like the Brian May Red Special where you can do all the phase reversing. So that was another one. But I don't like the Burns Trisonics that much. I've got a guitar with them in and they're pretty ace, but not forever. Yeah. So then I moved on to (coughs) Frank Zappa's but I don't really like humbuckers. They're always too much for me. I like to be able to have a... I normally just have neck single coil is is my favourite kind of position. 
So I haven't played... Frank Zappa is my absolute favourite guitarist of all time and probably favourite artist of all time. So it's like it's hard to not choose one of his guitars. But I've never heard or played on it. So I don't... What if it's not right for me? And if I've got to have that forever, forever yeah. that, that would really suck. So Dave Gilmore's Strat. I know I like a Strat. And he's got the Phaserverse in um, switches as well on his Strat, I do believe. And he's also got the mod to get a seven-way switch rather than a five-way switch. So it will have all of the all of the mods that I would need. And is that the one he sold recently? Yes, auction? the black strap. The the black strap. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a big hoo ha around that sale. I remember. Yeah, it just that when I go to because I've been building my own guitars as well, just by you know buying some kit guitars and then picking up some electronics and <clears throat> making my own mods and adjustments to sort of mess around with it. The, my new dream is to have a a modular guitar so where you have a guitar but you can affect the amplitude of the signal with modular signals basically so imagine a tremolo Mm. but instead of a tremolo just a straight tremolo you can send it more chaotic interesting signals from modular so by having like a little patch bay on it effectively and have the output the output going straight into modular Mm. and it shouldn't be too hard all i need to do is work out how to get um, the voltage from into inside the guitar. So because you you normally only get nine volt batteries, but I'd need to get the twelve volts yeah. into a guitar somehow. But if I can do that, then having a modular guitar would be quite fun. Sounds like a project for you and Matt Bellamy. It does. Matt Bellamy uh, loves that shit, doesn't he? Loves uh, <laughs> all, all that all kind the, of thing. All the mod- modified guitars. Uh, it, doesn't he have the the one with the chaos pad built in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah was, I can't cool. remember the I can't remember the company, but they they sold it as well, and I think it didn't do very well. Yeah, but just... he he ended up buying the company, didn't he? Matt Bellamy now he's owns big, the company. Yeah, yeah, he's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, he um, and they, didn't he do one that had like all the Arturia plugins built into the guitar as well? So he had like a, a little PC built into the guitar, no, I, and I he could see he that. had a switch, so he could play the Arturia plugins. Because what they were doing is doing like they had MIDI pickups and then off stage they triggered the synth as a layer so he could like have like a layer under the guitar that was the synth. Mm. And then he was like, let's just put it in the guitar. So, yeah. Is it? I do love Matt Bellamy. Yeah. And he's a a man after my own heart with his mods. I like modding things. And Dave Gilmore's Strat does have a lot of mods. Yeah. It's got all the mods that I would choose. So I'm not a huge Floyd fan. I don't dislike him, but I wouldn't say... I say I'm a fan of something when I know all of their music yeah. intricately and I've only listened to about five Floyd albums and there's more to explore. So I, I like it, but I, I don't feel like a true fan because I haven't like completely consumed all of his work. It's like, that's like a Greek philosopher's outlook though. You're like, I don't know everything, so I don't consider myself an expert, but I do know mo- more than most people. <laughs> it's like an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it's... It's the thing, yeah, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd worry, let's say with Floyd, to say oh, I'm a fan. They're like, oh yeah, have you heard um this this recording of this album? And I'll say no, and they'll be like... You're not a fan, yeah. You're not really a fan, <laughs> I, I, I want to... I, I am a massive nerd, and I tend to surround myself with massive nerds, so I know the, the kind of scrutiny that I may be under by making a statement of, of like, oh yeah, I'm a Hendrix fan. Oh yeah, 
what do you know about his um how he had his pickups um... <laughs> i mean so um obviously the most important question with his guitar and it's always very important for many guitarists is what color are you having the guitar um i quite like black my favorite guitar oh you're just gonna go you're just gonna go for the black the original well my favorite guitar that i own at the moment is the ibanez tim henson from polyphia the thbby um his um ibanez custom and that's black with gold bits and it's very nice um so all that's left is your luxury non-studio so this isn't this isn't a piece of kit. It's just something that you want in your studio. Well, it can be a piece of kit, but just not studio kit. So I've gone for something. Um, I was thinking like, you know, got your fishing rods, maybe yeah. a vending There's, machine. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got all vending I've kind of got stuff like that. But what I ended up on was an absolutely apocalypse-proof internet connection. Okay, so we, we're doing the apocalypse again. We try and avoid these studios being... In a, <laughs> yeah, we people love too. going to the apocalypse with our Forever Studio podcast. They're building bunkers. It's not a... Yeah. No, nah, it's not... So I only say apocalypse-proof in just that it's... I want to use the word inscrutable, <laughs> but I know that's not the right word. But just an internet connection that there is... It's super fast and there's no way it's going down. Okay, basically. I'm gonna I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you that for free, this, so we can move on to the interesting item that you mentioned, which is the yeah, vending machine. This, yeah, well, there's there's all sorts of interesting. Like a vending machine could be pretty good, but then what's in the vending machine? Um, I don't know, like Scotch eggs. Scotch egg vending machine. <laughs> yeah, like a Ginsters style or Ginsters, is it? Yeah, or like maybe maybe bakery goods that arrive. One of those could be pretty good. Yeah, it's quite. A, I've got quite a um, quite an imagination. So having a luxury item was actually quite painful because my brain just went just literally all of the possibilities <laughs> that could exist. And I was up till about two in the morning. I'd written all the rest out and I was just uh, awake for ages thinking about just the what could I do? And it was quite a nice, a nice thing. But And, that, and yet you settled on an internet connection, like the most boring Yeah, thing. I was just like, I'm going to have to, I have to duck away from this. It's too much. <laughs> there's too much possibility. I love the vending machine. Uh, for, and so there's a scotch egg in there. What yeah. else is in the vending machine? Come on. This is, we've never had a vending machine. And it's such a good idea. Um, well, it wouldn't be a vending machine. I guess it would be one of those um, things on Star Trek where you just say whatever you want and you can get it. Instead of- basically. <sighs> so I'd just be like, um, yeah, I, could, I wouldn't even need to go fishing. I'd just be like Martian <laughs> trout. <laughs> Slightly smoked. And there it is. Light, lightly smoked Martian trout. Okay, before we finish up though, I'm gonna so we've got this Star Trek machine doing your meals. Like let's give us a let's give us a, a dream studio breakfast, lunch and dinner for Flux Pavilion. I'm pretty I'm I'm a quite a classic um British boy. I go for a full English breakfast. Any any particular weird things on the English breakfast? Because it does vary a bit, like are you a black pudding guy? I like a hamburger patty. Oh, but uh, sausage based. <laughs> sausage based, though, not beef. Beef. Based. No, no, beef. Whoa. A beef burger. Okay, that is weird. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna focus on a beef that burger. Thing. Is part is part of the experience. A full English breakfast with a beef burger. No bun, no. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Yeah. It's blown my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then probably uh, for lunch a roast, like a roast dinner. That's good. What? What meat? Basically. 
normally pork with crackling. Yeah. Okay. Would be the would be the way to go. Yorkshire puddings. Obviously. Just all the all the trimmings, yeah. all the things. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner, maybe a curry. Oh nice. How spicy? Where, where are you on your curries? I'm a korma. I'm mm-hmm. a king prawn korma kind of guy. Okay. So relatively mellow. Very, very mellow. Rice or bread or both. See, this is another one of the things where it's just like there's so much opportunity to get so many different things that I'm like I feel I feel anxious all of a sudden, being like, "Oh no, what? But I could, what could I imagine that would be perfect?" It's one of your most anxious situations. Is Flux Pavilion at the buffet an anxious time? No, because I'll just get everything. Okay, but so buffet is good. Oh yeah, buffet is pretty ideal. That's why the but a menu is anxious. A menu in a, a slightly higher pressure podcast environment, I reckon is. Is not an ideal situation for me to choose my perfect meal. I reckon. I reckon that's what we've established, which is why the Star Trek machine is 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 ideal because I don't have to make any of these decisions. Yeah, I can just on the fly be like, right, I want a Heston Blumenthal meat fruit. Give it to me. It's, you've come a long way from having a beef burger with your English breakfast to requesting Heston mm. Blumenthal's meat fruit. That's great. That's that. The, the machine is going to be like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He, he he wanted a burger with his breakfast, and now he's ordering meat fruit. I could get whatever I want. Yeah. We'll do another podcast on that. I'll uh, give me a month. Give me a month. I'll get on my notes. I'll get on my memoirs together, my meal memoirs, and I can really work out. We can get to the bottom of this because <laughs> it feels like there's just so. I'm a, I'm a fan of food. I'm a I'm an overweight man because I've I've piled. I've eaten too much food for my body to be able to handle. Because I like it so much, yeah. And so yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I, I, I'm down with that. I agree with this. So it took me a few I'm, days I'm, I'm to so. come up with my best six pieces of gear. I reckon I'll need at least as long amount of time to plan my perfect meal. Okay, well let's uh, let's let's uh, let's finish this off. Let's run through the the studio for us. Let's set the scene. Uh, Will, take us through it. We're in a small studio in New Zealand with a window overlooking the sea and a fishing lake. We're running a very highly specced PC. Your interface is a Lynx Aurora, your DAW Cubase 11. In the studio, you're listening back on key three monitors. You have an insane one-of-a-kind hardware device called a Polymath, a stereo one, Custom designed with a, was it Pultec 5-band EQ, an 1176, and an LA-2A in it. You have a Moog 1 16-voice polysynth, a Klon Centaur pedal made by Bill Finnegan, a Neumann U47. You have Dave Gilmore's Black Strat, and we didn't quite decide whether you wanted the modular in it. Should we just put the modular in it as well? The option for modular. Yeah, yeah. Go for oh, no, I ain't got any... Yeah. Uh... I ain't got a Euro rack to do it with. Oh, okay. Forget it then. Just Dave Gilmore's The Black Strap. Yeah. And then your luxury item is a Star Trek replicator for all of your food needs. That sounds, that sounds banging, amazing. doesn't it? That's, that's, a, that's a wonderful space to be in forever. That's good. Yeah, I could do that. I, like, I, like, I liked hearing it in your... Uh, it's a really relaxed... Kind of like Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I was, I was imagining, I was trying to project yeah, Albatross to you. Yeah, that yeah. That was my plan. Gling, yeah, gling. yeah. We can hear the gling, gling. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's nice. Will, please don't leave leave our podcast to work for Marks and Spencer's with your lovely voice. Uh, we need you I'll here. I'll do it on the side. It's fine. 
this this isn't just any studio. This is my forever studio. That's what you need to be able to do. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't yeah, done that yet. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. We should we should record that bit. No, we don't want to get sued by Mark Spencer though. That, that's too oh, that's far. True. That's too true. Far. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Flux Pavilion, Joshua, for joining us. Um, we've had a wicked time. I hope you have too. And you've got new stuff out. Where can people find out about you? Spotify. It's probably the best place to type Flux Pavilion in. And then, listen, my new album comes out January the 21st, I do believe, which is a 16-track album. Um, nearly nearly all analogue written as well. It's still, it still wow. um, sounds like me. I kind of made, it doesn't sound like all of a sudden I've turned into a Richie Horton. I tried to use analogue in my world, basically, bring analogue music which i'm getting into and bring it into my space so it's still really upfront kind of hip-hop loud energetic but um just got more stuff going on i don't know i just spent loads of time on tone and timbre and making weird little noises and atmosphere and ambience and just all the things that i felt like my music didn't have and i just i did it and it's coming out and I'm really happy about it. And was this was this a lockdown project or did it start pre-lockdown? Like, uh, I mean, I guess the album was going to happen anyway, but did you, was it something that was enhanced that kind of, the deep diving into analogue, was that enhanced by the fact that there was no gigs and no... No, I actually quit Flux Pavilion about two years ago. No one, obviously there's no, you can't really quit being yourself. <laughs> but I was just like, I'm done with this. I've, I've reached the end. I've written all the music that I can write. I've DJ'd all over the place. Like, yeah, I know, I know what I'm doing with Flux, and it's boring now. So I started working on some other projects, um, doing some production for people, and what mainly that led me to just having lots of time to actually sit down and be like, oh, I could just spend a whole day playing with delay pedals. I'm just going to do that. So that basically became my life of just exploring equipment, buying new gear, looking into modular and stuff like that, and then somehow accidentally I kept writing pieces of music that I was like this is Flux Pavilion I can't help it this this is Flux and I've got no choice in the matter and then more of them built up and then all of a sudden I had most of an album and then went back to the label and was like uh yeah I've kind of written a Flux Pavilion album accidentally just because I am Flux Pavilion and I can't help myself and that's what this album is so it's a completely organic natural thing that I had no I actually had no intention of doing it I was just like I can't write another album I have got no ideas but by basically buying gear and learning more about my craft and what I do in the studio these pieces of music just kind of blossomed and it happened really naturally easiest album I've ever written love it as well like one of your most proudest albums or is for Flux Pavilion this is this is the crowning achievement of my career for sure. Like if I don't write another, I've already started writing another one because I'm just, I'm in the mood to write. I'm just back on flux again. There's it take, there's many years of flying around and doing loads of shows, not really getting to write much music, being in a space where I don't feel like I belong. You know, flux pavilion just kind of veered off into this area that I just had no interest in. I was like, I don't know who this is. I'm not a DJ that goes jumping around and shouting. Oh, everyone put your hands up and all that kind of mm. stuff there's other yeah. people that are really really good at that and they do it really well and everyone has a great time but I just ended up in that space and it's just really not built for me so it's kind of like that's where I fell out of love with it so this album has really been me falling back in love 
with electronic music again. And the, this is an audible kind of, yeah. Do you think that might inspire like a hardware-based show? I do have a now. My new show is not quite hardware-based, but I don't mix anymore. I just have the tracks playing and then I'm kind of, I mix between them on the mixer, but I don't cue them on CDJs. That happens in Ableton. And then I've got a chaos pad, a little um, Roly seaboard, a Korg monotribe to make noises and a guitar. And I basically just play, perform over the top of all my songs. So it's kind of like a hardware-ish show. Yeah. And as, yeah. as I get used to it, I can add a little modular in there. I can add another synth. And I'm hoping it turns into this like really elaborate one-man standing around loads of equipment kind of thing yeah. but I'll, it'll 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 get there in a in a number of years awesome well um all that's left to say is thank you so much for joining us um and i yeah. hope you had as much fun as we did and we've learned loads as well today it's great thank you so much great time thank you it's been awesome. yeah awesome thank you josh thank you yeah nice one thank you very much Okay, wow, another great episode. Thanks again to Flux Pavilion. If you're a fan of the My Forever Studio podcast, make sure you subscribe using your favourite podcasting app and maybe give us a luxurious five-star rating too. We appreciate every single review. Yes, we do indeed. Now, next time on the show, we're delighted that we're going to be joined by YouTube production superstar Andrew Wang. Yes, very excited. We've all seen his current setup on YouTube, but there's a lot to carry over into eternity, so uh, we're curious on how he'll do it. I wonder if he's going to bring his new app, Chris. Mm, I think I think he probably will. will. I think he probably he will. Pr- he probably will. We, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, I'm very excited to find out how he's going to do it, what he's going to choose. Um, so I guess we'll see you next time. Yep, same. Excited. Thanks for listening, and catch you next time for more Escapades in Studio Foreverdom. Bye-bye.